In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this short confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning,
If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Glory be to God on high. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. Thou that Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us, for Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, heart most high in the glory of God the Father. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your church, especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the 22nd Sunday after Trinity is from Micah chapter 6 beginning at the sixth verse. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is the word of the Lord. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. For the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. The epistle is from Philippians chapter 1 beginning at the third verse. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory be to thee. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the reckoning, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and besought him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you besought me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord delivered him to the jailers, till he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Lord. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Peace of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me, died that I might live on high, lives that I might never die, as the branches to the vine, I am his and he is mine. O the height of Jesus' love, higher than the heavens above, deeper than the depths of sea, lasting as eternity, love that found me wondrous thought, found me when I sought him not. Balm to heal the wounded heart, peace that flows from sin forgive, joy that the soul and In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mankind has told stories as far back as memory goes. There really isn't a time of which we know that mankind did not regale each other with tales and stories. Going as far back as gathered around the fire to today's tales of page and screen, mankind has entertained and taught by these tales regaled to one another. And those which stick with us the longest, those which go down through the generations as classics, are those which speak about who we are. There's Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, Beowulf, Chaucer or Dante, Shakespeare's tragedies, and even Tolkien's epic fantasy. They've all stood the test of time. It's because every great story tells us a little about ourselves and the world around us. For stories really aren't just about entertainment. They hand down truth itself. They relate something of what is in this created world. They put into new words, in the words of that age, the truth which has existed from the very beginning. 
that which doesn't change is enveloped in words that do. It's amazing how man can do this. Create. Create the tales that tell us about ourselves and the world. And Jesus does the same. As he teaches his disciples and the crowds, Jesus often goes to stories. We call them parables. A story that relates to us truth. But who Jesus is, sin in this world, and the reason why he has come. For we receive them from the Word Himself, from truth incarnate. But now, before we look at our parable for this morning itself, there's a few other things we have to talk about. Parables in general and the context of this one. Right? Parables relate a truth, as any good story does. And they have a central truth, a central point that is trying to be relayed in them, right? The parable of the ten virgins warns about becoming lazy and inattentive in our wait for our Lord, for the bridegroom to come. The parable of the sower speaks of the different types of hearts that will hear and receive the word. The parable of the unforgiving servant warns of the danger which comes from not forgiving those who have sinned against you. But even as there are these central truths to the parables, they go much deeper than that. They're like an underground cave which just as you think you have reached the end, there is but more to explore. The end seems to always be around the next bend, but as you make it, it opens up into an expanse of marvelous beauty. Each time you look at the parables, there's yet a deeper sense of truth to be found as you explore those details of the story given to us by the very Son of God. And so saying that, we cannot hope to mine all the pieces of the parable this morning, but we'll focus on just a few. And then second, we must consider the context of the parable. For you see, it was a question from Peter that sparks the entire parable. He comes to Jesus. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter, oh Peter, expecting himself to be gracious in the number of times that he would forgive his brother. Seven, seven times. 
But you see, the rabbi said you only had to do it three. Peter is certainly being gracious. But there's got to be a limit, right? It can't be every time. There's got to be a cap where you say no more. For you see, just previous to Peter's question, what sparked Peter's question was Jesus' statements in Matthew 18, 15, and following, where Jesus speaks about how the church deals with the brother who is sinning. How one deals with the brother who has sinned against him. First, going to him alone, then taking others as a witness. But though forceful, always gracious, looking not to shame and degrade your brother, but rather that your brother might repent of his sins and come to receive forgiveness. So Peter wants to know how often this should be done. Because certainly, there's got to be a limit, right? I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. In effect, there is no limit. You aren't going to count out into the hundreds how many times you have forgiven your brother of his sin against you. No. The number is so astronomically higher than what Peter gives that in effect there is no limit. There is no cap. Each and every time you forgive your brother. For you see your father has forgiven him already. And that's kind of the point. To illustrate why, Jesus gives the parable of the unforgiving servant. Master has decided to settle his accounts. And he brings in a servant who has a ridiculous amount of debt, an unfathomable amount. No person would ever garner 20,000 talents of debt. See, a talent is 20 years worth of wages. 20 years. And this guy has garnered debt reaching 10,000 talents. More money than any man can make in a lifetime. More money than hundreds could make in a lifetime. And yet, to make the intended point, Jesus speaks of the servant's debt in this way. But it gets more ridiculous. When the servant pleads for patience with the master that he might someday repay the debt, the master forgives it instead. In compassion, in grace and mercy towards the servant, the master wipes out the debt, 
as though it doesn't even exist. Now it's easy to see the point of this part of the story. We see the servant is each one of us. We are the servants of God, our master, made in his image that we might care for the things of this world which have been put in our care. Yet because of sin, we have a debt before our creator and master. A debt of ridiculous proportions, of unfathomable amount. We cannot even consider, count the many sins for which we are indebted to God. We have sinned against him in thought, word, and deed. Yet as the master did for the servant, the debt is taken care of. Our debt before our Heavenly Father has been paid. And you see, that's the point of departure for this story. For, right, the master just wipes out the debt of the servant. It is no more. He removed it without any satisfaction needing to be done. And our Heavenly Father is compassionate, gracious, and merciful. But He is also just. And for justice to be done, sins must be atoned for. They must be paid for. But rather than we paying the payment for our sins, God has sent his son into the world to take that payment upon himself, to take that wrath as his own, as he hangs upon the tree. Not pouring out God's wrath upon us as we so justly deserve, but rather upon the son of God, that he would be the propitiation for our sins. He paid the price which we could not with his very own precious blood. Delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, as Paul says to the Romans. And so like the servant, our debt has been paid, not by the wiping away of the debt unjustly, but rather by the precious blood of Christ. And now, this servant had a colleague who owed him some money, a pittance of an amount compared to what the servant owed the master. About the servant owed his master about 2,000 times the debt that his neighbor owed him. But when he sees his colleague, he does not show mercy as was shown to him, but rather demands that the debt be made and throws the man in jail when it can't be paid. And you see, it's not as though the servant had time to forget 
about his debt being wiped out. The way Jesus frames the story, the servant is literally walking out of the household as he had just had his debt paid. He leaves the room of his master and is walking out of the household and sees the servant who owes him money and there demands that it be paid. Will not show forgiveness as it was shown to him. And with this comes the stark warning. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do, ev do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The words are quite plain. It's clear what our Lord has to say about forgiveness. We are to forgive those who have sinned against us as we have been forgiven. So why don't we? Why does the servant not forgive his fellow neighbor? To answer this, we dive a little deeper into the parable. Consider the deeper truth of what the servant is like, what we are like, for its mistaken identity. You see, the servant doesn't understand who he is before his master and therefore doesn't understand the gravity of what has taken place. He does not see his great debt and forgets about it as soon as it is dealt with. Therefore, when he sees his neighbor, he sees only his neighbor's debt and does not see his own. He does not consider his neighbor's debt in view of his own. So let me relate it to our own sin. We have sinned much against God. Each and every sin we have done in this life has been against God. Even as we sin against one another, we ultimately sin against our Heavenly Father, the one who has created us and all things. Created not just us, but our neighbor, our brothers and sisters in the faith. To not forgive your brother when he sins against you is to forget the great mercy and grace which God has for you. It is to spurn the redemption that has come in Christ Jesus. It is to think that your sins are to be forgiven, but that this great gift should not be given to your brother. If God has forgiven him of his sins, who are you not to do the same? And 
And so we forgive our brothers from our hearts. Do not do so as to only see the log in your brother's eye and forget the speck in your own. Or, to make it a little more for this parable, it is to not, it is to not see the log in your brother's eye and forget about the logs that could make a cabin in your own. To not forgive your neighbor is to forget who you are. You are a sinner, one redeemed in the blood of the Lamb. To not forgive your brother is to forget who he is, a sinner redeemed in the blood of Christ. So we of the household of faith forgive our brother of their sins against us. As we have been forgiven, so we forgive others. This truth we find in the parable of the unforgiving servant. To consider the forgiveness of God towards us sinners is unfathomable. That great mercy which has been shown to us in Christ in his atoning death upon the cross. So then, let us forgive our brother of his sins. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. Uh, Pastor Parsons and Melissa are back up in Indianapolis for this week. Uh, Melissa's mother passed away yesterday. Um, so they will be having a funeral this week. Um, I expect they should probably be back uh, sometime by the end of this week or this weekend. Um, but at this point, we don't completely know. Um, a couple of announcements for this morning. Uh, there is the congregational meeting uh, in the parish hall following late service. Um, a potluck will begin at noon um, and the meeting will follow. Uh, the budget will be presented and there will be elections um, for new officers. Um, also, Fellowship and Life uh, are in need of help for feeding uh, the disaster relief volunteers who are coming in. Uh, we have a large number of volunteers this week. Um, there'll probably be about 30 people here this week uh, to be helping out. Um, so I know Bonnie and Fellowship and Life Committee uh, could definitely use your help. Um, they're probably expecting two people to be making casseroles for each night um, would probably be necessary. Uh, so if you could either sign up or speak with Bonnie um, about that. Finally, for this morning, uh, this Wednesday is Veterans Day um, and Baldwin County Schools has Veterans Day off. Uh, so there will not be family ed night this Wednesday night. Um, there will be adult catechism though at 6.15. So family ed night is not meeting, but adult catechism will still meet this coming Wednesday. Um, we also have two prayer requests for this morning. Uh, the first for the Parsons and Floriensic families um, at the death of Melissa's mother, Barbara. And we also pray for John and Jill Goas, um, relatives of Gray and Pat, uh, who have both come down uh, with COVID-19. Um, so we pray for them as they recover. So, the Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, Especially we pray for Bob and Jackie and Marga, for Eddie and Norma and Kim, for Ray and Suzette, for Chris and Gail and Therese and Marion, for Clayton and Meredith and James and George, 
for Larry Dean and Earl and Suzette and Bob, for Mallory and Mark and Jennings and Hank, for Sandy and Megan and Isaac and Haley, for Stella and Marilyn and Paul. And we pray for Patty and Cecil, for Michelle and Carl and Karen, for Jimmy and Tina and Ainsley and Richard, for Kevin and Colleen and Ron, for Caroline and Mary Ellen, and for Brian and Natalie, for Thelma and Jesse and Ralph, for Theo and Easton and Janice and Doug, for Fallon and Colby and Jamie, for Audra and Francis and Leroy and Shirley. And we pray for those who mourn a loved one, for the Neeland family, the Neese family, the Barbie family, the Carnahan family, the Tryon family, the Nolan family, and the Linden family. And we pray for those in military service, for Paul and Turner and Paul, and for Caleb and Hayden and Mike. And we pray for our university students, for Stanley and Colleen and Griffin, for Noah and John and Katie and Dylan, for Audrey and Dylan and Roz and Gage, for Olivia and Sarah and Olivia, for Jason and Jacob and Minnie, and for Emma and Carly. And finally, we pray for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them in the Sabbath rest, which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. We pray this morning for John and Jill Goas as they recover from uh, COVID-19. O Lord, look down from heaven. Behold, visit and relieve thy servants, John and Jill, for whom we offer our supplications. Look upon them with the eyes of thy mercy. Give them comfort and sure confidence in thee. Defend them from the danger of the enemy and keep them in perpetual peace and safety. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And finally, we pray for the Parsons and Florianzic families as they mourn the death of Barbara. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn and upon all who are lonely and desolate, especially those who mourn the death of Barbara Florianzic. Be thou their comforter and friend. Give them such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them. Bring them to a fuller knowledge of thy love and wipe away all their tears. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.